0: out with a task. You're going to have approximately 30 seconds. You can work with someone next to you if you want to. But with this task, you're going to try to come up with as many television shows that you can that have the word family in the title. So even if you're not a big television show person, try to figure out how many TV shows you can think of with the word family in your title. And while you're doing that, the Jeopardy song is going to go in my head. All right, ready, set, go. All right, I didn't watch. I'm guessing that's 30 seconds. So anyway, I don't know how many you came up with. Let's see here. Let me just see. Did your group, anyone come up with five or more? You came up with five or more? Yes. Just out of curiosity, anyone got 10 or more? Okay, I was going to say that's pretty impressive if you did. I gave myself a minute because when you're the one doing it, you can do whatever you want like that. (laughs) And so I was trying to think through which kind of shows have the word family in it. And so these were the five that I came up with. Most of them are a little bit older. So I came up with Family Matters and Family Ties, and Modern Family, and The Adams Family, and Family Feud. Those are the ones that popped into my mind. I don't know which ones you did. If I were to give you this task again and say, hey, this time I want you to think about shows that are about a family or multiple families, you might be able to name quite a bit more. And so I was thinking about why that is. And I believe the reason is because that you and I, we connect with family. Like we watch families going through great times or even moments of hard times. And as we're watching, we can relate. Or sometimes we see a family interact in a way that we wish that ours did. In fact, some shows that maybe aren't about families, but they're about teams or even groups of coworkers. They'll sometimes use that phrase that we are family to describe themselves. And ideally, that word family should have a good connotation. Like, it should bring up good memories. It should bring up fun activities, moments of comfort when life was difficult, or even times that you struggled through something together, but you were able to endure. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. That's not always what people think of. Sometimes when you hear the word family, a picture of brokenness or even pain can come to your mind or feelings of loneliness or anger. And if you were to think about your family, what words would you use to describe it? Like, if you're thinking of three words, what words would you use? Would they be positive? Would they be negative? Would there be a little bit of both? For those of you who are adults and have children, would the same words describe the family that you grew up in as the family that you have right now? See, there are often things that we want to take from our families growing up, saying, man, I want to do the exact same thing in my family as I lead. And then there's other things that maybe you're like, I wish I want to do that differently. Like one of the commercials that really makes me laugh, like I mute a lot of commercials. I don't need a lot of extra noise in my life. But when these come on, sometimes the kids will say, oh, these are funny. Let's, let's unmute it, are the progressive commercials that say, we can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. And it just cracks me up as I watch these people, quote, becoming your parents. And even in the humor, there's this idea that family and connection are innately within each one of us. And so as we talk about family today, we're going to look at what God calls parents and children to do. And for children, that means both biological and adopted as both make up the family. And as we're talking about the parents' roles, I know there are certain situations where it ends up being a grandparent or maybe other caregivers or some other relative that assume those responsibilities. But God instructs parents on how to do things. And even if someone else is assuming that role, there is still guidance on how to lead the family. And I also want you to know this. There's absolutely no way that we could cover everything that Scripture says about families in one sermon. I mean, there are countless books written on this topic. There are lots of research and statistics that we could focus on. There are all sorts of different families throughout Scripture that we could learn from, both positively and negatively. And so we're just going to look at it overarchingly and see some main themes. But I do want you to know, within this series of finding and following Jesus, the family units— is one area that God wants to work in and he wants to work through as we give all of the puzzle pieces to him. And so parents, let's start out by looking at instructions for us. And just to let you know, some of these main ideas or subpoints came from a book called Becoming a Christian, and one of its chapters is about parents and family. And so I just want you to know that. So first off, we need to celebrate the gift of children. We need to celebrate the gift of children. In Psalm chapter 127, verses 3 through 5, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And it's important for us to understand that children are a gift that God gives to us, not an interruption to a career path. They're not a financial burden, and they're not a hindrance to life. There are so many blessings that having children uh, can bring to the family, so many moments that parents get to learn from their children, no matter how old they are. Sometimes we need to be reminded of just the simple joys in life during all the adulting that we have to do. Plus, having children opens up new doors to understanding who God is when He takes on that title of Father, and how he cares for his children. And so even in the moments that you are tired and you are hiding in your bathroom because you don't want anyone to come talk to you, man, those days where you are looking at the finances and everything seems tight and you wonder how is this going to work out. Or those instances where your child is doing the same thing that you have told them seven times already within the last hour to stop doing. Like in those moments, we need to remember That children are a blessing from God. But as we're talking about also having this right mindset, we also need to make sure that we guard our motives. We guard our motives. Like, motives in parenting. Like, shouldn't everyone want the best for your kids? And, I mean, the short answer is yes. We should want what's best for our kids. But there are moments that we don't accomplish that. Like, unfortunately, if we're not careful, we can parent out of our own ambition. Like we raise our kids with the goal that they're going to get to accomplish some things that maybe we didn't get to. And sometimes that can be healthy when we're like, oh, I want what's better for them. But other times what happens is you are actually trying to live through your child and his or her accomplishments. and There's nothing that is healthy about that. The amount of unneeded pressure that that adds isn't good. And so it's important as parents to guide and to be able to say no to certain things, but to make sure that the child is getting getting to follow their dreams and their desires that God has given to them within healthy circumstances and not just fulfill the dreams that you had for them. Another motive, though, that we have to guard against is parenting out of fear. And in this type of setting, we're trying to protect our child's ego from any type of setback. Or failure. And maybe there's a possibility that they're not going to win something or they're not going to succeed. And so we choose to keep them out of the activity altogether. Or maybe we go to the coach or the supervisor and we try to have certain things changed. Sometimes we even blame the teacher when it really is our child's fault. But failing, it is part of learning. And how much greater is it if we as parents allow our kids to fail while we're walking by their side, and we help them to learn from it. Now, hear me, that doesn't mean we just sit back and let them make terrible choices. Like, that's not loving either. But being overprotective can actually be just as harmful to your child if your child isn't allowed to learn through the struggles. And some motives. One other motive that we have to be on the lookout for is parenting out of pride. And with this motive, we're trying to raise perfect children so that we get all the congratulations and on the awesome job that you did as a parent. And I can guarantee you that social media doesn't help with this one. But parenting our kids really should be all about them, not about us. It's giving them what they need, which is different than what they want sometimes so that they can be who God made them to be. The motives behind how we parent our kids really does matter. But Scripture talks to more than just our mindset. And so with that, we also need to share Christ with our children. Share Christ with our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 say, These commandments that I give to you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you go along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. He says to take them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses And on your gates, do you hear the importance of teaching these instructions from God to your kids? Like God never meant for you to outsource your child's spiritual formation to someone else. Like, yes, the church, we can be a great aid to you, especially as you're continuing to learn, as you're continuing to follow after Jesus. But God set the parents up as the prime instructors. And so when it comes to sharing Christ with that, figure out what does that look like? How do we do family devotions or have times of prayer? How do we have times of singing, if we could even remotely hold a tune, you know, as a family? Or going for walks in nature and being able to see God? And I'm not telling you to do all of those or even all of them at once, but figure out what works for your family to be able to have those types of conversations. After a church service, ask your kids, what is it that you learned today? Like, don't assume that they're just going to learn something at church because they're in a class. And don't make them connect the dots all themselves. Have those conversations. Have the conversations that really do help them build that spiritual foundation that they need. And you don't have to be perfect to do this. You don't have to be perfect. You can actually learn with them at the exact same time. Like, I remember the very first time I spoke at a kid's camp I was still in college. I dressed up like Peter because I was speaking as him. One of my lessons ended up being way shorter than I thought it was gonna be. The costume I was wearing was hideous. And so I just remember all those things. And I was so nervous. But it wasn't because of the kids. The reason that I was nervous was because of the adults. Like I was afraid that all the adults out there sitting with the kids were gonna be judging every single word I said, or why did he do it this way? And finally, I got to the point that, wait, most of them don't want to be up on stage doing what I was doing. Like, it was just this light bulb moment that they would rather be sitting there, and they don't want to come stand up and teach this lesson in front of all sorts of kids. And at that moment, like, my heart began to change, saying, this is really about serving God. It's not about pleasing all the adults out there, quote, in the audience. And I didn't have to be perfect anymore. In the same way, your kids don't have the same life experience you do. Most don't even have even close to the biblical knowledge you do, even if you feel like that's not very much. And so take hold of the opportunity to share Christ with them, knowing that you're not going to get everything right, but you will be used by God to direct your kids to Him who is the most important. You know what, tying right in with this idea of sharing Christ is also the responsibility of prioritizing church. We need to prioritize church. And maybe you've heard of kids who had a drug problem that every time the church doors were open, they were drugged to church. And some of you are like, that's exactly me. You know what? It is important that our kids learn that church services are important, not just because you're supposed to be there, but because it's an opportunity to draw closer to God. Like, that's why we come. But I also want you to remember, church isn't just a service. It's bigger than that. And so as a parent... Look for ways to see, how do I get my child plugged in to the body of Christ? Like, are there ways that they can serve right now? Are there ministries that we can give to so that they understand generosity? Do they feel like they're making some friends that they're going to be able to grow along spiritually with for the years to come? As a parent, God wants you not only to help your kids understand who God is in their lives but also to help them plug into the capital C church. Which also brings me to the next point that we need to live as an example. As parents, we need to live as an example. All the teachings, the devotions, the instructions, they don't mean a whole lot if your kids are getting mixed messages. If they're wondering, well, mom and dad, they're telling me this, but then I see them living in this way. Like your kids will see what is a priority to you. They'll figure out what really is worth your time. In what order of importance do certain things rank? Or morally, what's a big deal, what's a little deal, and what's no deal at all? People, how important are they in your life? And your kids watch a lot and they learn a lot just from your actions. But your kids, they also learn a lot from your words. There was a mom who was driving down the road with her kindergarten son, and he was being inquisitive at the moment, and he he simply asked his mom, Mommy, why do all the idiots only come out when dad drives? (laughs) You know what, your kids, they hear the things that you say. They also learn what viewpoints you have. Like, I'm amazed sometimes when I'm around little kids and the political things that they speak that I know they haven't done any kind of research whatsoever. (laughs) Or sometimes they'll talk about a group of people, and I'm like, do you know what that means? No. Like, I'm amazed at those things. And just know that you are teaching lessons by your example, even if you're not purposely teaching a lesson at the moment. With this idea of kids um, just seeing you and words being important as part of your example, do your best to build up your child. Like a survey was taken among parents, and the point was to record how many negative and positive statements they made to their kids in the course of a day. And the result ended up being that for every single positive statement they made, there was about 10 negative ones. And I understand that because in the frustration, those are sometimes the things we say without pointing out, hey, great job. But I think that's something for us to think about. Or even in a Florida city, teachers were found to be negative with their communication 75% of the time. And it's been said that it takes four positive statements to overcome one negative statement. And the words that you and I use in helping our kids to know they are valuable is so huge. And so as a parent, know that your kids learn a lot both about your priorities and your words by the way that you live. Another way that you and I, we need to parent well, is to demonstrate repentance and forgiveness. Like, do not be afraid to apologize when you mess up. Like, absolutely no one is perfect. There is not a parent manual for every single one of life's circumstances. I'm sure it would be like the bestseller of all time next to the Bible, if that were there. Uh, you know, you are probably going to make a poor decision. And if you do, then have a conversation with your kids afterwards. If you lose your temper, don't be afraid to admit that you messed up and ask your child for forgiveness And even speaking of that, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And you might be like, what does that big word mean? It means to provoke or irritate or annoy extremely, like just continually to be on their case over and over and over. And so we should try to parent well with their well-being in mind. But we should apologize for the moments that we mess up. But don't just apologize, also learn from them. Don't just simply repeat the cycle of doing it again and again. There was a small boy who was sent to bed by his father, and five minutes after being sent to bed, he heard this, Dad. And so his dad's like, What? It's like, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? I know if you've ever been in that situation. To which dad says, Nope, you had your chance. Lights out. Five minutes later, Dad. What? I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? I told you no. If you ask again, I'm going to have to spank you. Silence. And for five minutes. And then he hears, Dad, what? When you come to spank me, can you bring me a drink of water? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There are moments in life that we just kind of have to shake our heads because of the things that our kids do. But be reminded of this. The same grace that you and I have received from Christ is what we should use as we parent our kids, and just show them true grace, show them repentance and forgiveness within your household. And you know, with all these instructions given to parents, I hope that you hear that the ultimate need is to be this is to have this foundation upon Christ. Like the objective of everything is to instill within our kids the fear and the teachings of God and the heart that loves him. The purpose isn't just to have good moral kids that are happy. And that may seem nice in the moment, but true blessings come as we're faithful to God's teaching in every single moment of our life. In fact, Proverbs 22.6 says, start children off in the way that they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. It's true, every every child will get to make the choices that they do. But as parents, we get to direct them And hopefully we're directing them well. And if we do that, they will hold tightly to the things that we teach. If we teach and we live by example, there's a greater chance that they will follow in your ways. So kids, it is now your turn. And so far up to this point, maybe you're like, some things, you know, that I'd like to do when I'm a parent that you've heard. Maybe some of you are just wondering, what am I supposed to do right now? And again, we can't cover everything, but I want to look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, that simply says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. And as you read this text, the first thing that Paul says for children to do is obey your parents. Some parents are like, are you listening right now? See, God told parents to lead. And as children, you are supposed to follow. When they ask you to do something or when they tell you to do something, there's usually a purpose behind it. You're told to obey. But maybe you hear this and you're thinking, but you don't know my parents Like my parents don't know anything or my parents, their only goal in life is to make me miserable or my parents, they hate me and they're not going to let me do anything. Listen to me as I tell you this, even though it may seem hard to believe your parents were once a kid too. Okay. Some of them, it might've been a long time ago, but they once were a kid and they have made their share of mistakes, mistakes that affected a moment in time or others that affected their life forever. And they want to help you avoid those mistakes. And so they as parents have learned that it's better to stay away from tempting situations than to try to remain strong within that moment. Or they've learned that there are some situations that at that moment, it seems like this is going to be fun and exciting. But from their own experience, they'll tell you it's not what it seems. They've learned that the younger you are, the less likely that you're going to be able to stand strong to the pressure that comes from your peers. And they love you too much just to stand by And watch you make certain mistakes that could affect your life forever. And so good parents, they have seen God work in their own lives. And they want you to experience his goodness as well. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck we are to obey our parents and it will benefit your life now i also understand this that not everyone listening in this room or listening online has parents that follow after god but let me tell you this that doesn't give us a right to not obey as long as the things that you are being asked to do or told to do do not go against god we are called as kids to obey our parents And so in those moments, ask God to give you a heart and a strength to be able to obey, even in the moments that you don't feel like it. Here is one other thing that we were told to do in that Ephesians passage. So kids, you're supposed to honor your parents. I mean, they quoted the fifth commandment about honoring your parents. That's what was stated in there. This idea of obeying them, it has to do with actions and it's our outward behavior. But this word of honor, honoring involves your attitude and the inward behavior. And so just listen to the difference. It's one thing to grumble about having to clean your room and then going to do it. It's another thing to respond quickly with a pleasant attitude. Like even if you still don't want to, your attitude changes things. It's one thing to obey your parents by wearing a coat on a trip that you really didn't want to wear it. It's another thing to come home and thank them afterwards when you're like, I am so thankful that I was wearing this today. It's one thing not to go and watch that movie that your parents told you not to. It's another thing to completely not go and watch it, but to complain on and on and on to your friends about how old-fashioned your parents are. In this idea of obeying parents, like let God work on your heart so that you'll want to honor them as well, that you'll want to honor the leadership role that God has given to them in the family. And this instruction about honoring parents it's not just for a little while. Like Proverbs 23, says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. We are called to honor our parents no matter what age that we are or they are. When I think about in our culture, this importance of family, it seems to be fading away. In fact, if you were to think about some of those shows that maybe you thought of, like you'd go, man, that's not the way that I want my family to be. I want you to realize that demonstrating a healthy family is one of the greatest tools that that God has given the church to be able to show Christ. And I want you to realize I did not say perfect families because there is no such thing. But the way that we lead and we follow, the way that we show grace, the way that we build each other up, people long to see what works. And even more than that, they long to experience that which works." And so, God can use your example to influence other people, and they may find Him simply because you are choosing to follow Him well in this area of your family. But let me tell you this, we must continually ask Him for help. And I'm reminded of the words in a song called, Lead Me by Sanctus Real. It was a few years ago written. It's written from the perspective of a husband and a father. And here's the words. It starts out in verse one, just saying, I look around and I see my wonderful life. It's almost perfect from the outside. In picture frames, I see my beautiful wife and she's always smiling. But on the inside, and then it goes to the chorus, which I'll get to in a moment. Verse two, it says, I see their faces. I look at their innocent eyes. They're just children from the outside. I'm working hard. I tell myself that they're going to be fine. They're independent. But on the inside, I can hear them saying, and so these are the words that wife and kids are saying, lead me with strong hands, stand up when I can't. Don't leave me hungry for love, chasing dreams, but but what about us? Like show me that you are willing to fight and that I am still the love of your life. I know we call this our home, but I still feel alone. And as the song goes on, at the end, the husband, the father, he ends up praying, So Father, will you give me the strength to be everything that I'm called to be? Oh Father, please show me the way to lead them. And won't you begin by leading me? And then the course has changed just a little bit. Lead me so that I can lead them with strong hands, so that I can stand up when they can't. I don't want to leave them hungry for love, chasing things that I really could give up. I'll show them that I'm willing to fight and give them the best of my life so that we can call this a home to please lead me because I can't do this alone. So parents, pray that God will help you to lead well. Pray for endurance on those days that you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Pray for the right motives as you parent. Ask God to help you lead your kids down the right path. And kids, Pray that God will help you to obey and honor well. Pray for a heart that you'll want to respect your parents in every moment. Pray that you won't be divisive in any way. And pray that you'll even see your importance as part of the family unit right now. And for all of us, no matter where we're at, we should pray that maybe our family will be described by the words that we want. Like if we look at our family, and these are the words that I want our family to be described as, and we work towards that. Maybe that becomes your prayer. So let's live out the blessings that come as we live the way God wants us to. But first, we're gonna spend some time this morning praying, praying about our families. And so some of you are sitting amongst families, some of you are by yourself, and you can pray by yourself or gathering with other people. But I want you to think about and just pray for whatever God leads you. Maybe that's your specific family. Maybe there's some other families that you know that you wanna lift up. Maybe it's just families in the church or families that are hurting, but we want to spend time just giving this over to God and letting Him be the one to give us strength and the one to lead so that we might, one, allow Him to transform our family unit, and also, two, people will come to know Him because of the way we live. So you can gather up and just spend some time praying here, and then we'll continue on with the service after that.